Welcome to Beyond the Field, a property and finance series powered by Money Empire. The content you are about to hear is designed to educate and inspire you to tick off your property and finance goals. And when we say beyond the field, we mean your field, whatever that may be. Money Empire is an experienced financial advisory firm with over 10 years experience. We deal in this world day in, day out and want to give you, the loyal listener, exclusive access to behind the scenes of the property and finance industry. We've helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys, everything from first home buyers right through to managing clients with extensive property portfolios from New Zealand and abroad. Each week, BTF includes special guest episodes. We chat with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, sports stars, and the stories of everyday people. Now it is your turn to take back control of your future. So kick back and absorb. Welcome back to Beyond the Field. My name is Jess Wallstrom and I'm here with... Issa Nasiwa. And we have Sasha Hughes today. She's the founder of Movement Pilates. Before we get into it, I'll hand over to Issa. Sasha, to keep it really nice and light, I'm just going to throw some quickfire questions at you. No right or wrong answers, but um, favourite holiday destination in the world? Queenstown. Oh, cool. Arrowtown, to be specific. Okay. At least you can still get there. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Are you a good cook? If so, what is your best dish? Uh... I like to think so. My husband eats what I cook, so that's pretty good. Uh, we're plant-based or vegan, so just like a good veggie roast dinner, something like that. Oh, nice. I like it. Nice. Like. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I think it would have to be Arrowtown cool. or Lake Hayes. Sweet. Lastly, would you rather live in the ocean or have a batch on the moon? Ocean. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice. Okay, now just uh, talk us through your early years, childhood, upbringing, family, everything from the beginning. Um, Yeah, so my early years were spent in Auckland. Um, I went to school in Auckland and um, I I later on became really involved in tennis. That was my profession for quite some time. And uh, yeah, my early years were spent training sort of six hours a day. What school? Um, I went to St. Cuth's until I was in year eight and then because of my training I had to um, make a decision if I wanted to really pursue it to the highest level then I kind of had to leave school in order to be able to fit my training in so, so you left in year eight so how old are you eight uh I think I was about 12 wow. oh, maybe 12 13 something like that I can't exactly remember yeah, yeah. what what year long time ago yeah <laughs> um and it all kind of happened because when I was 13 I entered the 18 and under nationals mainly because my brother was playing actually I wasn't even and it was just really a lot easier that I would go along as well rather than just you know transportation wise was just easier and then I actually ended up winning it and then from there things kind of snowballed and it was a um a great foot in the door and I, to be honest I wasn't even that interested in tennis until no. around then t- around that time because uh, I had other things I had friends I had played other sports mm. and it was because it was going so well that I actually probably became more interested and I think when you're that age you like to do things that you're good at so it wasn't like you had hit 10,000 balls against the wall like Andre Agassi by the time he was seven <laughs> so is that true I think it's a roundabout true okay. some crazy number yeah you must um, have been naturally gifted to be that good at such a young age yeah I mean I trained a lot even though I didn't love it because my uh, brother when when I was eight going on nine he got a tennis scholarship to a 
a big academy in Florida and right. my mum and I went with him for that sort of four month period and cool. every day I had to play tennis because mum didn't want me just to blob basically for mm. four months so she wanted to keep that discipline and mum's always been really big on having a disciplined life and being kind of very consistent and committed mm. so she wanted to instill that in us and I, I yeah even from that age I was playing tennis every day I just didn't love it per se and how did just out of interest how did schooling go along the way um, I started doing online schooling in um, year eight or nine. I can't actually really remember. Um, and it was fine. I just, I, you know, I finished high school and finished NCA and everything. I just mm. had to be really um, self-taught and disciplined with a lot of stuff. Lots of reading from textbooks yeah. for overseas, when I was overseas. And unfortunately, like, I'm 29 going on 30 this year, but... 17 years ago the online school wasn't as advanced so it was like no, carrying I bet, I bet, yeah. <laughs> carrying lots of textbooks and things like that and yeah. um just yeah just doing what I needed to do to finish it so how long were you in Florida for um well I started going there when I was eight going on nine years old and I lived there on and off through my teenage years wow. and then the last time that I was there for tennis was when I was sort of 22 or something like that nice yeah so it's definitely it was cool to be exposed to different parts of the world without doubt and um it makes me so grateful to live mm. in new zealand as mm. well um yeah i would not choose to live in florida although i was yeah. lucky to live there <laughs> did you make any close friends and connections in the states and then obviously through your tennis travels you've you know stayed in contact yeah definitely i um i had a nice group of friends that i sort of enjoyed spending time with um, when I played tennis but it's a funny sport like a lot of people are incredibly competitive mm. and their whole life is geared towards success in, in their sport when you're traveling so it's quite a competitive environment and um, a lot of people aren't that interested in things outside of tennis whereas yeah. I always felt like there's so much more to life than just tennis for me personally mm. and I really wanted to expand my horizon and my, my friends that I was close to I um I wouldn't say that I never really felt that competitive with them. I just kind of wanted to be friends. So there were some people that I was lucky enough to have a lovely friendship with and then there are other people that, you know, I just haven't stayed in touch with or anything like that. And at home I had a lovely group of friends, so um of close friends, so that was really important to keep a hold of. Nice. Mm. So we can we'll touch on your tennis career um in a little bit, but let's talk about movement pilates so Mm. when did you start that elaborate tell us what it's all about yeah so at the start of 2019 I was um I just kind of left um coaching tennis I wanted to leave coaching tennis a bit more behind me just because I just wanted to move on from the sport not not the players I loved the kids I worked with and I still do um and then I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do and my husband and I were we bought a lifestyle section um, up in Mangawai and nice. we just finished subdividing it and um, doing some renovations to it and then didn't feel quite ready just to leave Auckland and had do that the whole time and mm-hmm. he's still working in Auckland as well. Um, so I decided that I wanted to you know, start a new venture. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what. I had some criteria that on a personal level was important for me, which was that I needed it to be... Um, a place where I could connect with people and, mm-hmm. and feel that kind of um, 
fulfillment on that mm. side and then I needed it to be a really comfortable beautiful environment to work in that wasn't outdoors and the conditions and whatnot as it can be with sport and I needed a place that I felt like I want, could grow as a person mm. and those three I spent like six or eight weeks deciding what I wanted to do and those three prerequisites were at the front of my mind once I had those then I didn't really mind what the actual modality was Mm. and I'd done Pilates my whole life well since I was like 11 or 12 because of sport and um, I'd done some teacher training overseas yeah so I decided okay that's what I want to do the space came available at the same time so it was very perfect and then um although it needed heaps of work and then I did some more training in New Zealand as well um, just because I wanted to advance my understanding more um, and I also um, have like a have a um, personal training qualification so it all just kind of led in that direction yeah and um, yeah and then I was just like all right I'm gonna do it and then I went for it and then I had um, a little bit more unfinished business on the coaching front in tennis and then I finished that off and just decided to go for the studio and so that was I think we opened in August 2019 so we haven't even been open a year yet wow it, it sounds like obviously when you talk about sort of friends in the states the competitiveness and the difference you obviously looked at tennis as its own little bubble and then you obviously had priorities outside of that was that yeah. A hard decision to get out of the coaching bubble or were you just ready for it and you were confident enough to just to jump into it full time um I think I think leaving coaching was a fairly clear decision for me because I felt like I wanted to move on from tennis mm. as it's been as it was such a big part of my life but what was harder for me was to leave the kids that I worked mm. with because yeah. I really um cared for them basically and I feel like that was sort of the point of difference in coaching for me that I cared so much about the person um, before before their results as a player, I suppose. Um, and in that sense, it was difficult, but I still have lovely relationships with all, you know, with those um, families and kids, and that's important to me. Um, but I definitely did always feel like there was more to life than sport, which I, I retired pretty young from professional tennis by those standards. Mm-hmm. Like I was 22 and I was still doing really well um, internationally, and a lot of people would say that I hadn't come close to reaching my potential. I just knew in my heart that it was time to move on and so um yeah it was a bit of a risk like a lot of people just keep playing because they don't have anything else to do you know I I can imagine and Issa you can probably elaborate on this if that's what you've known for so long it it, I can imagine being incredibly daunting Mm. to consider what's outside of that bubble and and what that next move looks like when you've been so used to succeeding and being recognized for this one particular thing how do you break that mold how do you start again would totally. you, like, would you guys both agree? Oh, like I, <laughs> I, I massively respect how you talk about sort of like I won't lie, I don't watch rugby. I don't mm. really have anything to do with a, a rugby bubble as such. Um, haven't watched a game for probably near on a year now. Um, but I just am so content that I wanted to start a new challenge. Yeah. Um, I went from rugby to finance, like couldn't really pick two different ends Total of the spectrum. Opposite. Yeah. But I was just motivated to try something new and then but like it's almost like you've got you came up with your why you wanted to start something first Mm. and then things fell into place and lo and behold you start you know a Pilates studio but it was your real understanding of what you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it before 
the actual business proposal came. Yeah, and look, I was so lucky to have the support to then be able to put the business side into action. Yeah. Um, and then, but because my intention is really clear behind it, I feel like everything has sort of followed on from that. I feel like you've done it the right way. You know, people <laughs> would, like, you know, not always go into things with knowing exactly what they want to get out of it. So, mm-hmm. like you said, you had a clear line and everything's just followed and formed around that really nicely. Yeah, so, I'm very lucky. Oh, well, you do a great job and you I can imagine that your clients would feel very um, valued and really connected with you, which is what you're trying to achieve. So, Thank you. Um, for the listeners, mm-hmm. what is Reformer Pilates versus, say, a Matt Pilates or yoga? Yeah, so... Um, Pilates was invented by a guy called Joseph Pilates during World War II. He had a lot of difficulties himself. He was German and he was held um, as a prisoner of war in the UK. And he spent a lot of his time helping soldiers and helping himself recover physically. And he actually used like the springs and pulleys from the hospital beds to create these sort of contraptions that would encourage people to um, basically recover from their injuries. And that's how the initial reformer kind of contraption um, started and then obviously it's progressed tremendously since then and Matt Pilates is such an awesome variation of Pilates and it all centers around having um, good control of your body moving mindfully having a strong core using your breath and then strengthening and lengthening your muscles so it's about having stability and mobility um, and it's not like an exercise that will make you quite bulky it's exercise that a lot of dancers and athletes do that helps sort of lengthen and strengthen the muscles um, and uh, yeah, I guess reformer and mat Pilates, the main difference is that you're using the reformer. We incorporate a lot of sort of mat exercises onto the reformer, but um, it's just an apparatus which is awesome for um, versatility and yeah. creating a lot more range of movement and exercises. It's one of those things that's quite tricky to explain unless you actually see them um, in person, but we were super lucky also that I could get the um, kind of top of the line reformers that are made in the States and get them imported into New Zealand. Um, We were talking beforehand about the machines. Yeah. What does a reformer machine go for typically? How much does it cost? Yeah, how much does it cost? Um, Depending on what one, um, the ones that I got are more, they're definitely top of the line and they're about eight grand each with all of the equipment that comes with it, which is is not included, those add-ons, but I think they're really important. Mm. Um, Like, for example, you can get them just at floor level and that's $600 less, but to me, if somebody has hip issues Mm. or they're not very mobile, it's really important that they're able to sit comfortably on it and then Mm. get on and off easily. Um, so I have six of them so it was quite an um, investment especially because I didn't know if anyone would even come you know yeah, I literally was thinking that at the start um, and uh, the actual fit out of our space was um, it was previously a rug shop and then a health food shop briefly right. the walls were bright yellow and bright oh. green the flooring was pulled like half pulled up um, there was just crazy um, there was like no flow it was all like yeah. like but there's a high stud ceiling and beautiful big windows which create a lot of natural light so I felt like it had so much potential and then with paint and flooring and moving the walls around yeah. and creating spaces it's and doing all the fit out it's just which we actually managed to do a lot um through my husband's work we managed to borrow some of his staff to um do the building works and um through a beautiful family friend who's an interior designer she gave me lots of advice and um I definitely pulled I pulled what I could from Mm. friends and 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 my husband's workmates and we just did it 
as as nicely as we could we've spoken to loads of entrepreneurs on this podcast and previously and they all say you know at the beginning they just pulled whatever resources they can and whatever totally. help they can just to get going yeah um and it all goes around in circles and you know lo and behold a couple of years later everything's up and running is that similar you just sort of just pulled together help really yeah definitely and it was awesome we're like just seeing it transform so quickly and yeah. i was actually overseas taking the new zealand women's team up to asia when some of it was going on and my husband was like texting me photos every day this is what's happening and it just felt so real so quickly yeah it can um, change so quickly a space like Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Like some paint or flooring. Yeah. And when it all comes together, it must have been really cool. It was so satisfying. And then the signage went up and I was like, oh, this is the real deal now. Yeah. <laughs> so you you were still involved with tennis. Mm. Were you doing anything? Did you have any level of clientele before you opened? So my um, previous experience teaching Pilates was to athletes that I coached right. because I loved it as yeah. a... Um, addition to their training I just thought it was so important that um, they have good mobility and stability and uh, we had one reformer at home in our garage and I had oh, less than a handful of clients that were coming because I was literally just doing it a little bit on the side you yeah. know it wasn't my focus but I always thought there's some potential I actually thought about doing it like five or six years ago as well and I wanted to keep in practice with everything that I'd learned overseas with teaching Pilates um, so that if I ever did want to open the studio I'd have that option but aside from that I had no clients wow. I was literally going in the deep end that's really ballsy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I first six months I was like just don't lose money Sash just just work and don't try not to lose anything but it actually has gone totally opposite with I've managed to um, you know earn back everything that I spent setting it up and it's just wow, been it's been really good absolutely phenomenal like yeah. we you know I think I, I, I sort of tie back to like you understood why you wanted to do it first yeah. and I think that resonates with so many people mm. that you have a complete you, but without even seeing the studio um, in real life and stuff you like you just know that you're going there you're going to get a good product and then you've mm. got good people involved mm. um, awesome to see I'm really lucky with having good people involved as far as supporters and also um, I got a new, uh, um, a new staff member joined me in January, Megan, and she's just mm-hmm. been so wonderful. She's just such a great person. I feel so. like she's an extension of you as well. Like she awesome. kind of reiterates the same things that yeah. I'm hearing from you yeah. now. So the early days to now, how long did it take to start getting filling your classes? Because you do, what, five or six classes a day, six days yeah. a week? Yeah. So was it always... Did you always have that many offerings or did you have like really restricted times to start with? And um, I was more of the approach that I'll just work as hard as I need to yeah. to get it off the ground. So, you know, in the first month, there might have just been like one person at your 9am class because people just didn't know about it yet. Yeah. But word of mouth just grew and those classes became really full and um, we bought another reformer and added in a couple of months ago because classes were so full and I just worked so hard last year mm. like I was doing teaching like over 45 classes a week between Whoa. between group classes and privates because oh I was just like I'm just going to get this thing off the ground and we're just going to go for it and I think that's also a crossover from sport you know you just do what so you need to do, do you think that just that, be committed yeah that commitment to your sport has helped for sure yeah Yeah. um and I was sort of just by the time Christmas came I was just so tired (laughs) um but now my work-life balance is really different and I and I have a bunch better balance um but yeah last year was just a grind but Mm. I you know I enjoyed it and I feel I feel kind of proud of myself that I was able to put that in and and go for it um but yeah it was so tiring so what does your daily schedule look like 
Um, I get up around 5.30. Um, By choice? Well, I, ha- I, I on, the, on the days that I work, yes. I get up at 5.30, which isn't every day anymore. I work three days a week for, in the studio yeah. and then um, I do admin at home on the rest of the time. Oh. And so when I'm getting up and going to the studio, I try and get there around 6-ish. Um, first class starts at 6.30 and 7.30 another class and then I have a wee break and then I've just got classes again until after lunch because I, I do private classes as well right. as group classes yeah. um, which I love because it's different focused and mm. I you know really get to um, spend time with people as well mm. and then go home for lunch come back in the, in the after, late afternoon for one or two privates and then two group classes usually and then home dinner so uh, they're pretty long days when I do work sometimes I work like 10 hours in a row but wow it's okay it's just um it's I'm I'm so lucky that people even come so when do you find time to do Pilates on the days that I'm not working right. definitely I try and do some um, do you go by yourself or do you slot into one of Megan's classes on the weekend I went to one of Megan's classes for the first time in ages and it was so good yeah. I just loved being able to like somebody tell me what to do and I just yes. turn off for 45 minutes and really focus on my breath and on my movement and I was like shaking after it as <laughs> that's actually really nice to hear that it's not just me yeah. <laughs> But otherwise, I try and get to the studio. I, I say six, but sometimes I get there earlier and I just do like 25 minutes of my own stuff yeah. um, before the first client arrives. Yeah. So when you started out, mm. what was the investment like for you? Did you have to get a loan? Was it savings that you'd been able to um, build up from your tennis? Yeah, we were really lucky that we um, kind of had the means to set it up mm. and... Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people put the machines and stuff on finance, which um, we were lucky to have to av- that we could avoid. And um, I mean, I was nervous investing that much money in it. Like I thought of all the other things we could have done with that money. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. So it was a mixture of my own money and um, my husband, of course, as well. So our money, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, that we put in and. Uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, as far as having to take a loan, it was definitely something I thought about, but I thought, well, if we can avoid it and we don't have to pay the interest and whatnot, then let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, we've been doing this renovation thing as well, mm-hmm. so it's been quite full on time, but um, yeah, just lucky, I suppose, that nice. we could do it. And what about the brand? What kind of, um, you know, movement Pilates, mm. did you have a, a long process to, to get to that outcome? How'd you come up with the name? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had every name under the sun. <laughs> and every time I was like, oh my gosh, that's just too um, out there. We cannot use that. Like what were some of those uh, examples? Yeah. I don't know, like, you know, just like breathe or like, right. like really like earthy sort of names. But I don't like them very much. And then what I actually do love is biomechanics and movement and the way the body moves. Mm. And that's what I love in tennis as well, technique mm. and um, being as efficient as possible with the, with the body so you can get the best result. And I just thought movement had like a nice kind of move, like a bit of movement in yeah. the name, a bit of flow. Um, and then I was lucky to find um, good, uh, great graphic designer from Design, Design Distillery. And he was, um, he went away and he came back with his options and I saw the logo and I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Good. Um, let's go for it. 
and I was quite I was actually surprisingly decisive for a pretty indecisive person that <laughs> that's what I was wanting to do and um, once the signage was up I actually had quite a clear vision of the whole aesthetic and the um, the branding and things and then as far as marketing um, I built the website myself and then um, I um, I've just used Instagram and Facebook mm. as a marketing tool and some Google uh, Google AdWords yeah which has been a learning experience because I've not really done much of that sort of thing myself. Mm. Um, thankfully, we haven't had to do heaps of it. Yeah. And I decided from the get-go that I wanted some professional photos taken. So um, through word of mouth, I found a great photographer and she took maybe like, I don't know, like 70 or 80 photos. Wow. Um, like, so she gave me, like I got 70 or 80 photos at the end yeah. of the studio and of us moving on the reformers yeah. so that the branding would be very clean and consistent. Mm. And um, when I'm teaching, I don't really like snapping photos of people at no. all. It's just mm. not a nice feeling for me, so I don't. But then I at least have some content to disperse for sure. for, from a marketing and advertising perspective. And it, I, it's important for people to see what you're doing in the classes particularly if they've never been before okay i can you know quite overwhelming bit daunting going Mm. oh my god what am i what is this contraption she wants me to lay down on and and move around on so it's good to be able to see yeah what what is involved what was your first experience like jess at the studio (laughs) my first experience at reformer was was actually really quite surprising. I hadn't done anything since I'd had my daughter. Mm. So I was very conscious about my body and I was very conscious about um, going into an environment where I would feel um, less than everybody else there. I didn't want to go somewhere where I felt that I had to wear makeup and tight clothes. It was incredibly relaxed. It was super calm. And I left feeling like, oh shit, she's got my back. Like she's, it was so calm and relaxing. And it was important for me to have some time for myself to switch Mm -hmm. off. Yep. focus on my breath and I, I really enjoy it oh, yay. I love it yeah so that's why we've got you here I'm going to showcase what you do I think it's fantastic Thanks, I definitely Jess. get very sore Wednesdays are always a bit of a struggle to get out of bed <laughs> but that's a good sign yeah <laughs> definitely a little bit of soreness is all is great definitely um is there anything that you would do different yes um I my uh, everyone told me at the get go you know set up zero oh. was at the beginning set it up and I was like yeah 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 I'll get around <laughs> to it and they're like make sure you document everything really well and I was like yeah I've got a spreadsheet like I, I, what I need these receipts for and I should know better <laughs> after doing this for so long so I had this like ginormous master spreadsheet of every sale that yeah. comes through a software a booking app anyway and it was just so stupid and I could have just been using zero the whole time yeah. and then like after four months I think I set up zero and it's Did just you have four months of backlog that you had to go oh. yeah and then <laughs> so stupid um and now I'm like the biggest fan of zero like I'm like oh everyone you must use zero what are you doing <laughs> without zero all about zero it's amazing it's so good um so that was a definite mistake and I'm still kind of undoing the damage of that like still trying just to sort things out um Mm. and then I think I probably tried to do take on almost too much myself which I guess is probably a common thing when you're starting a small business yourself that you just think oh I can do everything and um wear too many hats yeah I Mm. think so and then I finally um went to an accountant last month to um have her do some of the work that I was doing as well because you know even just like not that I mind filing my GST and stuff, that's fine, but some of the more like your tax returns and things, I was just I was just doing too much myself and yeah. I wasn't organised from the get-go. 
um, with setting up, you know, like my depreciation and things like that. Um, and if it's not your area of, yeah, like it's, if it's not your strength, yeah. why why waste your time? Exactly. You, like the added stress of trying to do something that yeah you're not good at or that you don't want to do. Totally. Mm. And, and I think in, in setting up the feel of the studio and in the stru- instructing, I was really quite unafraid to spend money. Like I was like, we're going to make this really high quality. Yeah. But then when it comes to some of more the admin side, I was like, oh, no, I can do that. Why invest in going to um, an accountant or whatever it was? Um, and I re- kind of regret that because it would have it would have freed up my time more yeah. and it would have um, been better, you know, practice for the business just to get on top of all that sort of stuff earlier on. Mm-hmm. But it, it's all, you know, learning experience. Totally. And I think the whole business, what has been great is it's grown really organically. So yeah. it hasn't grown at such a rate where I can't handle it and it hasn't been really slow either so um, is the plan long term to keep the studio nice and intimate or would you open up a second location or keep it around that six yeah um there have been lots of ideas um one thing that has been a bit difficult is that um from my sport actually I've had really um I've had quite bad health for the last literally seven years since I stopped playing I got really bad adrenal fatigue after retiring and really bad post-viral um syndrome and it's just been so for me it's about finding that perfect balance where the business is as efficient and effective as possible without um going beyond my means and burning myself out um so yeah there's been talk of opening something else and sometimes people say oh you know you're going to open another one because you could open one a bit closer to where I live you know whatever it is and um I think the hardest thing is that what what the, what makes the business tick I think is the people yeah. and the on, honestly without being cliche for me it's not about the business it's about like the heart that you kind of give to your clients mm. into the space and I think um, to clone that would be a great deal of effort mm. and um, either I mean there are some options to grow it people sometimes say what about yoga can you add some yoga and I personally don't teach yoga but I don't I think it's wonderful so there's definitely options for growth but I don't I'm not clear about what those look like at this point for us and protecting yourself and like you want to be able to put 100% into it you don't want to do it half-assed yeah and it not be authentic and not be in line with what you want it to be totally yeah yeah can i just ask you about Mm. mindfulness-based cognitive theory (laughs) yes how does that play in sort of who you are as a person in your day-to-day routine and habits and the likes yeah working on myself like as a person has been a huge part of my life um i think when you're an athlete you're forced to look at yourself in different ways and you're forced to deal with failure and success and pressure from a young age and that's been a really big part of my life um and to this day it's really important for me to keep taking steps to develop myself as a person and to um listen to or observe the voice inside my head what it's saying and then kind of try and control yeah definitely and I think everybody goes through that in different ways it's just um always been a big thing for me that I'm personally very interested in as well and um learning through mindfulness or through other you know modalities to um be more calm and more centered and more self-confident and not relying so much on external factors to feed you know the studio can have an amazing week and you can feel great or it can have a terrible week and you feel terrible and I I don't want to be reliant on the outcomes of what my life what happens externally for how I feel internally so does that flow through to helping your clients oh I I think indirectly for sure 
um i have some amazing chats with my clients honestly i feel so lucky the things that we can talk about that are going on in life and for me that's the fulfilling part of those three prerequisites that i had to open the studio like one of them had to be the opportunity to connect with people and to grow as a person and so i feel so lucky that i had those prerequisites and then the building uh, the um, business has shaped itself around that um but yeah it is actually a really big part of my life and I've spent a lot of time looking at it and I actually used to have a blog where um I wrote weekly on this blog with my sister-in-law about um all of this stuff and then I used to go into schools and teach um meditation and assemblies and yeah. stuff and talk to them about like you know you know when you're a teenager and things are difficult and there's lots of pressure and stress and body image and all those kind of things and I had a really tough time with that and so I um yeah I had this like phase of 18 months like maybe like five years ago or something of going into schools and doing that kind of thing which nice. was awesome yeah I've got four daughters hence <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> I'm trying to teach them um as we go but a lot of what read from what you presented to schools it's mm. you know there's no better time to teach good habits totally. than to younger children and more dare I say more importantly for girls so I'm going totally. through that and will for a few years. How old are they? Great. How old are they? I've got twins that are 10, another one that's 8, and another one that's 4. Oh, beautiful She runs age. the house. But beautiful <laughs> age, beautiful, beautiful age ages. to learn and totally. learn how to, you know, sort of control your thoughts. Definitely. Um, and just have an awareness. What a thing to help your kids with. Because it's a lot easier to teach it than to retrain. Yeah, because exactly. Because if you go 30 years of having, or however long, having these thoughts or these pressures that you absorb it's really hard to change definitely so and children are sponges such a good time to work on it that's so cool that you do that i love it beautiful girls (laughs) you've got your hands full (laughs) twins as well yes so is there anything else that you'd want to share around your movement Hmm. journey um movement pilates yeah yeah um I think like the biggest theme for me has been you know there are some people who can't afford it and in those instances which are really rare and um, you know sometimes um, a a person will have come in and and said you know I'm in a lot of pain I have a lot of back pain I can't really go into a group class Um, what can you offer Mm -hmm. and um, the one-on-ones are too expensive and you know I just think the most important thing is just to see the person and just to do what you can to help them so we'll never say no to people in that instance we'll always find a way to make it happen so that people can um, have the opportunity to have a healthy body Mm. through you know whatever it is they choose but through Pilates and I think that kind of journey of um yeah putting the person first I think has really been important for me in hindsight I didn't realize that that's what it was about but I think in hindsight that's really important and then um the business has flowed from there and and, and I feel incredibly fortunate that the business has flowed from there it could have not and sometimes I look at like what I'm doing and, and the business is growing and I think like Oh, I don't actually feel that in control of it. Like, I was like, oh, why is this growing? Like, what am I doing in my marketing? And, and like, how can I do more of that? <laughs> but it just doesn't seem to work like that. It just seems to happen quite organically. I'm sure there's some really smart people, probably my brother, who's really good with analysis and finance and stuff, who could tell me why that happens. <laughs> but I haven't quite figured out the trend yet. It'd be a combination of that, but also just 
exactly what you're saying putting people if you look after people they're going to want to keep coming back that's going to get return Mm. clients Mm. that are going to keep coming back to your studio yeah it's very genuine though i definitely don't look at it as far as like getting a return it's just i think just how i am not at all and that's I, i can agree with that like when i first walked into your studio for my very first class you knew my name I was like, oh, shit, is she talking to me? She <laughs> you know I've never met her before. A genuine interest in what I was there to achieve. And still to this day, you still remember what my pain points are and what I need help with. So I will go, I'll choose that any day over somebody mm-hmm. that I don't know that doesn't really care. Well, you're just a number that, you know, signs into the class. So who or have you had any influential role models in yeah. tennis or in business that you've kind of looked up or, or people outside of that that you yeah um i i have um it's hard to kind of blur the line between role models and just supportive figures in yeah. my life in some ways um supportive figures is probably a better yeah. a better term for oh, it yeah yeah i mean i think there's role models as well when i think of role models i think of like some like really like like really important figures in society or something but um supportive figures uh my husband's amazing he really does support me so much um whether it's just emotionally or mentally or just giving me advice about the business because he has experience in that area and he's just been so invaluable and same with my brother he um is really just such a supportive figure in my life he always has been as well since I was really little he's four years older than I am and um he was really good at tennis as well and he gave me a lot of encouragement and advice and he actually traveled he actually coached me for two and a half years we shared a hotel room traveling the world from when I was 18 to 20 or 21 or something 19 to 21 something like that Mm -hmm. so we're pretty close we've experienced it all um and I also have a wonderful um teacher or mentor who's been mentoring me since I was 10 years old and he's um, just so helpful with um, the business and with me personally so I think when you find those mentors and those people and you really appreciate them you just got to hold on to it and just like value it I think is the main thing and, I, and I'm really lucky that I have had that I feel really supported and then there have been other people that have come along on the way and there's you know just so yeah there's actually a lot of people who support support the ethos of the business and support me it's mm. um amazing actually to feel quite supported in that way totally yeah yeah, yeah. nice warm fuzzy yeah totally mm. uh, yeah it's a bit cliche isn't it but it's really it really is quite um true mm. yeah do you I'm think that you'll end up being a person at that kind of figure for the girls that you work with or that you keep in touch with from tennis is that something that you'd like to be able to yeah I think it's something that has to happen quite naturally yeah I think there have been times when I've like oh I'd really love to support that person but you feel like actually maybe they don't want that support or they're not ready for it or that's just not the right fit um and there have been times when it's just happened so naturally and um I feel like I've really um been able to share what worked well for me what didn't work well for me how I could respond to certain situations that they're going through Mm. in sport and it's become such a wonderful connection of um I don't know if I'd say mentorship but at least like just helping just lending a hand and helping and staying in touch a lot with people as well um who a lot uh, you know there are people who just text me and just say this is what's happening Mm. um what would you do or how do you feel and I feel I always feel really I don't know if you guys find this but I always feel really ill-equipped to offer advice but then I can share what I found helpful in some way I think that's quite nice Mm. but I don't really come with the direct you should do this this is just what worked for me and what didn't work for me yeah um 
but yeah it's it's pretty special how these things happen in, in the studio how like I feel like I know like I feel like I'm part of lots of people's family in a way where I just know a lot about their life and oh, what a privilege so cool totally cool. yeah so touching now back on your tennis career which I feel like they are separate but there's a there's a lot of overlap between it's a part of you know a big part of your life so you started playing tennis when you're like eight or nine is that what or you went overseas Uh, with your brother when yeah eight or nine yeah exactly so when I was to Florida for the first time when I was eight going on nine I I honestly don't know how old, old, old I was when I started playing but I guess it was around probably literally the time I could probably start walking I'm sure I was just holding like a kiddie's racket and just smacking whatever (laughs) where there are like photos of me sitting in the tennis ball basket like just passing the coach balls while he was while she was coaching my brother and stuff and um yeah we actually spent our first few years over on Waiheke and there wasn't that much to do so my mum and dad put in a tennis court and that's how my brother got to play Ah. and my mum loved it yeah and um then I just followed in his footsteps I kind of didn't have a whole heap of choice when I was younger although I did so many other things under the sun like my parents were so supportive and gave us like every opportunity to pursue what we wanted they like really encouraged us to um go for it Mm. would be the best way but I had to choose at some point between hockey and tennis right so hockey was another thing that you were into yeah Yeah. hockey horse riding netball athletics swimming you must have been incredibly sporty (laughs) yeah like to be out doing all of those yeah what has been your favorite tournament that you've played with played in um the u.s open in new york like it's just so cool like um you stay in manhattan and then um get transport to um the site which is in um flushing meadows queens and um the actual grounds are just like you just feel like it's such an electric atmosphere Mm. there's so much energy and Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is the main stadium, is huge. Like, you're sitting... At, I, I walked up to the top just to see what it was like and just sit there. And it's like watching, like, completely from a bird's eye view. It's just not even... Yeah, you're so high. There's actually a delayed sound from when the ball hits the racket until you actually hear it. Um, so I remember sneaking up there one time when I was a junior because they hold junior Grand Slams as well as regular Grand Slams, which is in the second week of the main event. Um, which is so cool as a like a young teenager to play in. And I remember sneaking up there when Maria Sharapova won it, I think it was in 2007 maybe or six, no, six, I think. And um, I sat up near the top and just and saw her win from like that kind of bird's eye view. It was pretty cool. Nice. What about your um, opposing player? Oh, <laughs> um, well, I think one of my hardest opposing players was when I was like 14 or 15 and I got a wild card into the ASV Classic and I drew nice. the number one seed in <laughs> 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 the main draw. And she was like in the top 10 in the world and it was just like such a horrifying experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to play on the same team actually. It's this thing called World Team Tennis, which is over in the States and you have five players that are selected internationally and you play like this three-week competition and I just happened to get selected for Washington DC and Serena Williams was on my team so it was cool to spend a little bit of time with her and get to practice with her and um what's she like (laughs) uh to me she was really lovely that's that's we'll just leave it there yeah okay I'm sure yeah um but she was really sweet to me very sweet to me um yeah that was pretty cool lovely to see how somebody like that 
goes about their business as well I think yeah it's just pretty like unusual pro like um yeah and just like to see how she trains more than yeah. anything and mm. to see um just her actually she, her actual physical strength and ability is is really out of this world mm. it's pretty unprecedented as a female tennis player mm. um and then obviously I got to play a bit with like Maria Sharapova and stuff like that um which was cool and then I played multiple did you play pe- doubles I did more towards later on in my career because when I was younger I was just like I had a lot of injuries and I had to kind of streamline my um energy quite a bit yeah um it was really fun to play doubles though it was such a good good um a, a good reprieve from having a single-minded focus yeah yeah tennis is a like a one man yeah yeah so playing in a doubles would be quite refreshing to be able to share definitely especially when you find a partner that you really click with it can be really fun yeah nice what about uh the federation cup as Mm. captain how was that because that's the equivalent to davis cup correct Correct. yeah um it was a really good experience it was a really good learning experience for me i think it's kind of probably the pinnacle of a domestic coaching career if you get to captain your um, fed cup team it's quite um I suppose it well you know it's an honor that somebody like they approached me and they said we'd really love you to do it would you be interested and, and are you in charge of the athletes that you're taking with you yeah yeah in that sense yes you make the decisions around pretty much everything I was fortunate to have a really experienced coach who's the high performance director for tennis New Zealand come with us but um in that sense you're sitting on the court during all the matches and you're in charge of the lineup and you're in charge of the um, routines and stuff like that um I think it was a learning experience for me to be more confident in that role and I hadn't really spent much time with any of the girls beforehand so it was quite um an interesting experience and I think to um I don't know if I really added much value but to at least be able to talk about professionalism and what it requ- what, what it takes and um responding to pressure as well as you can and using your mind and your emotions to serve you as best as you can and I had some really cool one-on-one chats with everyone and I I I found that quite satisfying I would have loved to have kept going and it was an option you know that was definitely an option but I literally just committed to buying all the reformers and everything before they asked me and so I was right. like, okay, I know my path and I don't want to do anything. So you did half. that as just for one? Yeah, one I did year? it for one year. Yeah. And then um, I decided not to continue with it in order to open the studio. Mm. Cool. Yeah, nice. it was a, it was cool. I'm really glad I got the chance to do it though before yeah. I left tennis. It was a nice kind of finishing point for me to yeah. leave that chapter behind, I think. Yeah. So you, you would, do you think you'll ever return to tennis in any capacity? Actually, one of my um, really good friends, he's running this Premier League in New Zealand and he asked me if I'd be willing to participate at, in, on the female side in like a month or two and I was just like, I just don't think my body can handle it. <laughs> I don't know if like, my mind can handle it, but I don't know if my body can. Um, but every so often I go and I have a hit with my brother or one of the girls that I used to coach who nice. I'm still very close to their family and that's really fun. Although yeah. I just feel so out of shape comparative. <laughs> it's a bit depressing. I'm sure you'd put us to shame in your, in your poor, poor form. <laughs> so what makes Movement Pilates different mm. to other studios that people can attend? You know, I think the biggest kind of thing that we can say, I can say about it is like what you said, Jess, when you first came in that, you know, I, I, I literally know everybody's injuries and, and what they need to work on. I, I look at 
a class and see who's coming in and then create my class plan around it like I ask do you how much preparation do you put into your classes and do you shape it for the participants I used to put in a lot because I wasn't as confident in creating it and now I sort of just look at who's coming in and I have a pretty clear idea in my mind of people's um um, limitations and strengths and what they need to work on in order to help their injuries and in order to f- you know also what they want to work on within their bodies you know yeah. like some people have areas that they just really want to work on so um I used to spend like so long just kind of like curating each class plan and now it's more about tailoring it to the needs of the individuals and because we are small at in size with six um, maximum six participants per class I think I have that space to accommodate the needs of each person and there are times when some like five people are doing one thing and I've just got one person doing something else on their machine because I just know that they need something different they can't do that exercise or it won't help their injury so I think that's quite cool that kind of specificity and um that like you said I could not care less if you're wearing Lululemon or you're wearing something from the warehouse just come in and what you feel comfortable in yeah. and some days I'm like that some days I'm just wearing sweet pants yeah. <laughs> because um yeah I want it to feel welcoming you know I want you to be able to get a great outstanding workout and also to feel like it's warm and welcoming definitely yeah totally is. what would be your advice I'm going to put it to you in a couple of different, three different scenarios. What would be your advice to somebody wanting to start a business? Mm. What would be your advice to somebody that is wanting to come and try Reformer Pilates mm-hmm. for the first time? And three, let's see if we can remember. <laughs> <laughs> what would your advice to be to a young female athlete that's looking or wanting to push herself in whatever sport that is? Yeah, I think to answer your question, if somebody came and said, oh, I want to start a studio, I think I'd think about what's your why yeah. and um, what's your location, how saturated is the market. We're so lucky in Ellerslie that the space came available because um, there's not many studios around Ellerslie at all. And um, we've got a nice client base that would like uh, interested in Pilates. Mm-hmm as a way to keep fit and healthy so I think location wise is important and then what's kind of the what's your um, environment going to be is it going to be are you going to have space to do what you want and are you going to be able to create a nice environment for the studio I think those things are quite important for starting you know you said I think you said business but if it's a Pilates business then I think those things are quite important um Second question was, what would you do if you were going to try Reform Pilates, right? Good memory, yes. Um, just come. Just come and try it. Mm. And don't take yourself too seriously. Find an instructor who's gentle and accommodating and is not going to be, like, quite militant in their instruction. Yeah. You know, you want someone who keeps you safe but also encourages you. Mm. Um, and then you just – I think if you just put one foot in the front of the other and do it, that's your best starting point. Like you said, it can be a bit daunting at first, but then you you get the ropes of it quite quickly. Totally. And and then I think if you're still not certain about going into a group class, then just book a private, an introductory private, and it's it's a good investment in your body and your health. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then you'll feel really comfortable going into a group in front of other people. Like a little bit of a, a test run first, yeah. so you get used to the machines. I tell you though, the most awkward part of the class for me is trying to get from my back to sitting up right on the It's really, really hard. And I always feel like I'm like an 80 year old woman peeling myself out of bed. But once you get used to the machines, because they are a little bit tricky. Yeah. But once you get used to it, 
yeah it's then you're fine quite fun like each night we're talking about this before i really enjoy the machines i feel like they support my body they support yeah. my back they're a little bit fun yeah all the pressures off my my joints yes and i can really focus on my core because yeah. the machines you know are designed mm-hmm. to support being engaged yeah using your muscles the right way so you, you're not going to injure yourself the same way you would if you were going at a gym yeah thrashing around weights totally if that's, you know each to their own yeah I I, I learned you know from I guess Doug Howlett was my mentor when I was playing with him and stuff and he said come on drag you along to a Pilates and I'm going Pilates please come on I got put in my place like immediately I was shaking around like a blooming yo-yo spring just bouncing to and fro but it completely changed the way I trained yeah Yeah. Um, I didn't even focus on breathing yeah I think you know this is the you know muscle and bulk of rugby like I lifted twice as heavy on bench press because I learned how to breathe properly and hence I was like "Eh, actually yeah Pilates changed that my sister got me into it Um, and then you know 10 years later I was still doing it and I had the biggest difference to sort of prehab and rehab that is so cool do you think that there's a there's a bit of a stereotype as a male athlete that Pilates is for females oh yeah, uneducated, but yes, yeah. yeah, there would be. But then all of a sudden, the Melbourne Storm invest in 10 reformers. Yes. And everyone says, wow, they're winning championships. What okay, now the whole of the NRL, big burly athletes, do reformers. And yeah. it completely changes the way you look at exercise. So that's gone, so cool. Gone awaits. Like, that was so last <laughs> century. Like, bring on, a, bring on a reformer any day of the week, and it completely you know helps your you know prehab rehab everything to do with yeah sports. Exactly. And i think that's where the benefits come in especially in elite sport yeah i've even seen lebron on a yeah. reformer really yeah, so yeah, that would have to be like a extra long yeah. like but same with rugby players you know they're you know you guys are obviously pretty big and also just you know to be able to learn how to engage your core as effectively as possible yeah. or move more functionally i think it's really important for all athletes and that kind of comes back to your question jess around what would you sort of advise an athlete and i think mm. as far as their training to be able to incorporate more um, mindful movement and more yeah. movement where you have awareness of your breath and just really functional movement like mm. as you said don't worry so much about just you know straight up squatting or something mm. but actually think about how you're moving through each movement how you're going to try and engage your the muscles that you want to um, engage to be as effective and functional as possible I think is really important nice and what about uh, more about your studio where can people find out information about movement Pilates where are you based yes so we're in Ellerslie just on the main street our studio is set back like 15 meters off the main street but our driveway and well not really a driveway our, our our shop is our studio is on the main street in Ellerslie um, which is such a cool location I love being there great location and um, our website is movementpilates.co.nz and we're on Instagram and Facebook just by searching movement pilates and we try and keep everyone pretty up to date with what's going on on Instagram um, to be honest I'm not great on Instagram I don't really spend I don't really want to spend that much time on the yeah. on a personal level um, but I try and um, keep things going sporadically um, so you can find out a lot there. And I always answer DMs and stuff that um, come through about the studio. Try and be pretty quick about it. Nice. Okay, to finish off, I'm going to pass you back over to Issa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just to keep it nice nice and light to finish. Four four quick fire questions just to round it off, keep it nice and light. If you had a superpower, would you rather have invisibility, supersonic speed or be able to fly? Be able to fly. (laughs) 
without doubt. How can I get motion sickness flying? Mm-hmm. I always buzz out when people say fly. I don't think I could do that. I love anything to do with flying and stuff like that. <laughs> Are you an early riser or a night owl? Oh, unfortunately a night owl, but I'm forced to rise early. <laughs> Double whammy. Yeah. If you could be one superhero, who would it be? Oh my gosh, superhero. Can I choose, can I go way left field? Yep. Can I say someone like Gandhi or something like that? Oh. Because it's not, it's not Batman, but the guy was pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. I like it. And lastly, your favourite holiday of the year. Uh, we got married down in Queenstown a couple, oh, a little while ago, a couple years ago. <laughs> And um, we have we now go back each year for our anniversary, and that is just something that I look forward to. And I love actually holidaying down there full stop. Um, so yeah, we go down each year for I think we've been going down for like the last seven years at least once a year, and I just look forward to it. Actually, I was already planning it last night. When can we go back down? So looking Support forward to that. Local, yeah, totally. And yeah. it's such a beautiful part of the country. Definitely. I would so much rather go there than go to like Colorado or something. Actually, mm. personally. Nice. <laughs> Sasha, thank you so much for your time today. I can personally vouch for Sasha's um, expertise in studios. It's beautiful. It is calm. It is tailored. And if you are interested in trying it, I highly recommend it. Male, female, young or old, we have you have a big range of people yeah. that come into your studios. So if you're interested in finding out more about Sasha's studio, you can check it out at movementpilates.co.nz. Social handles will be available um, at the end of this episode. Sasha, thank you so much for thank your time. Thank you guys so much. Chat. Thank you for your questions and thank you for your time. Thanks, Sasha. And thank you, Isa. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on this episode and hundreds more, you can visit us at Beyond the Field Podcast on all social platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field.